You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. I'm a lead pastor here at Midtown Church. Just a couple of uh, things before we get going. First is uh, what Barry and Nolan were talking about, dinner for eight, really an awesome opportunity. Want to be real clear here that that's, you just sign up for one meal. So it's the, the meals can happen on Friday or Saturday or Sunday night of that weekend, but you're not signing up for a meal every night that weekend. So it's just say, if you want to have a meal sometime over this weekend with some cool people from Midtown, you get to sign up. If you want to do three, like Damien is saying, then I think we might be able to get you in every single night, but you don't have to. So it's just one, one night, all right? So I really encourage you to do that, get to know some more people, really awesome, uh, fun time together, and, and uh, it should be great. The other thing I would want to say is um, if I like, run off this stage in the middle of this message, it's because uh, I've got a stomach bug, and uh, it's not pretty, and it's... Uh, and so I'm going to try to make sense, and I'm going to try not to, like, throw up while I'm preaching this morning. And so you can, you know, as you might want to pull out your phones and, and go ahead and video it. There's probably a chance there might be a, a viral moment here in more ways than one. But um, the, uh, so anyways, just letting you know that that's going on, and, uh, you know, it's an adventure. It's going to be an adventure this morning. But um, we are... <laughs> Continuing our series in the book of uh, James this morning, and I really am loving this study. I hope you are too. I love this book because it is just filled with God's wisdom for how to live out our faith in our daily lives. It's just full of wisdom. And I'll tell you, I, I, I regularly feel my need for God's wisdom because life is, is complicated, isn't it? And life is, is hard, and it gets messy. And, man, I really felt this this, uh, this week in regards to some of the um, big uh, conversations taking place in our nation, and, and uh, especially in regards to the, the trial of Amber Geiger this, uh, and the verdict and all that this week. And, man, I just, like, I felt my need for God's wisdom to know how to engage in that conversation. Because, you know, one sense... There, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you know what I'm talking about. It's been everywhere, right? Uh, in one sense, like what, what, um, what Brant Jean did in offering forgiveness to the, to the woman who killed uh, his brother, it was, I mean, that was just powerful. It was such an act of, of uh, display of God's uh, grace, his forgiveness, and like, Everyone's been talking about that. In fact, I've had opportunities to talk with one of my agnostic friends, a good friend of mine. We got together. He wanted to talk about that, and he just didn't understand why anyone could forgive to that degree. And I was able to share the gospel with him. It was an awesome conversation. I mean, this is amazing. And yet, where I really feel God's wisdom is knowing how to engage that on a, on a big scale because, I mean, I've, I've, re- I've realized through even some conversations with some of my black friends and watching uh, it play out on uh, social media or the rest of the news and just seeing the black community respond to uh, you know, the white evangelical church champion the forgiveness but being so absent in a conversation about justice and not really advocating for justice and what that communicates 
uh, you know, one of my uh, good friends was saying to me, like, that just really communicates uh, how we uh, care. We really just, like, this is what it seems like, he says. And he was full of grace when the conversation was, like, it, it seems like we care about the white person being forgiven, but we don't care about the black person getting justice. And it's like just talking through that and just realizing, man, I just don't know how to engage with, with what goes on in our world very well. Like in one sense, it's really great. In another sense, man, what does this say about how I personally, I'm just speaking for myself here, personally fail so often to advocate for real justice. And, and I mean, just feel that. And I just, like, God, I need your wisdom to know how to love you well, God, honor you well, walk with my, in my faith, in my daily life well, and I need to know how to love my brothers and sisters well, my neighbors well, my, my black friends well, my black son well. And man, I just don't know sometimes. Gosh, I need God's wisdom. I need wisdom for that. I need wisdom just to, to go through my own personal trials and hardships. I need wisdom just to know how to, 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 to really practically take what I believe and live it out in a way that honors God. I mean, do you guys, friends, do y'all feel that? Do you feel your need for God's wisdom? Well, that's why I'm really glad that we're studying this book. Because like I said, it's filled with God's wisdom. God's wisdom for how to live out our, our faith, how to persevere in our faith, how to apply our faith in our daily lives. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27, if you want to go ahead and go there. But we're going to be looking at a passage that is uh, where James says, okay, here, let me tell you, here is the thing, the thing, if I could boil it down, here's the thing that you must do in order to get God's wisdom. Here's the thing that you must do and know how to persevere in your faith and live out your faith well. This is, this is the thing. He's going to say, do this. He's going to say, here's how to do this. And then he's going to tell us what the result of it will be if we do it. And so we're going to dive in here. Let me just jump right in. James chapter 1, verse 19. Here's what he says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Like, this is important. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Okay, let me stop here and uh, just point out because it's something I just absolutely want to make sure we don't miss, right? Because it's right here in verse 19 where James tells us the main thing we need to do in order to gain God's wisdom and persevere in our faith. Do you see what it is? It's Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, growing up, I always thought that this verse was specifically directed on how we should interact with one another. This was about your relationships with one another. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my mom told me growing up, Jake, well, I'm arguing with her, right? Jake, Jake, you need to be quick to listen. Slow to speak, slow to get angry. And now, certainly, that's really good, wise advice for our relationships. If you apply that in your relationships, things will go well, right? This is good. You should do that. However, here's what I want to make sure that we don't miss. 
James is not talking about our relationships with one another. This verse is specifically, it's so clear in context, what he is talking about is this, we should apply this in our relationship with God. The person that he's saying that we should be quick to listen to is God. I mean, if you, if you wonder, like, okay, Jake, where do you get that from? Look, look at the very next verses. Verse 21, he says, Therefore get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, but, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Like, he is talking about God's word here. This is what he's saying we need to be quick to listen to. It's, it's God's word. It's it's. it's the Bible. It's the Word of God. This is what we need to be quick to listen to. Um, in fact, he would say it's important for you to be quick to listen to because this is the way that we get God's wisdom for life. And if you're going to persevere and you want to know what persevering your faith looks like, it looks like this. It looks like listening to God and doing what he says. It's, pretty, it's actually it's pretty simple. But um, I wonder how many of us actually do this. You know, like, are we quick to listen to God? I mean, would you, would you say that? Would you evaluate even yourself right now and just say, like, yeah, I think that, that, that's a pretty accurate depiction of me, description of me. I'm, I'm quick to listen to God. See, I, as a pastor, I um, have lots of interactions with people about how, you're, you know, how people are doing connecting with God and their relation with God. It's something I really care about. That might be surprising to you, but as a pastor, it's because something that's on my radar. So I talk a lot about that with people. Hey, tell me about your relation with God. How are you connecting with God? What's that look like? And, and here, let me, you know, what I, what I hear often is something, goes something like this. Um, you know, I haven't actually been reading my Bible very much, but... I've been praying a lot. I've been praying a lot. I pray all the time. And to that, I want to say, that's awesome. And God loves it when we pray to him. He's all about it. He loves when we talk to him. He wants us to bring everything to him. We should pray all the time. We're actually told, pray without ceasing. Like, this is a good thing. Pray, pray, pray. However, it seems like it could be helpful to point out that if you want to actually uh, get wisdom from God, if you actually want to know God and your faith in God to grow, you've got to listen to him. You've got to be quick to listen. And guys, this is especially true when it comes to uh, times of trial in our life, which is, you know, James, the original audience he's writing to, are people going through severe trials. That's why, like, up to this point, he's just been talking about that, right? Because James knows, and I said this week one, but James knows trials put your faith in God and on trial. You know, last week, Justin was teaching. He was showing us what James says, too. James says, like, in times of trial, you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to blame God. You're going to be tempted to walk away from God. You're going to be tempted to turn to things that numbs your pain or just, just, exhaust, you know, just uh, distracts you or entertains you. You're going to turn away from quit persevering in your faith. James knows that that is what our normal tendency is to do in the midst of trial. And when those things happen, we got, what do we need to do? We need to listen to God. That's why he says this. But what do we tend to do whenever we're facing a trial? Is it to be quick to listen? 
Well, for me, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I wouldn't say that it is. <laughs> when I'm in a trial, I'm actually quick to speak to God to tell him how I'm feeling. And I'm quick to get angry with God. To tell him, like, why are you letting this happen? What are you doing? Like, and so start, like, these are natural responses for me. I think, friends, that that's a natural response for all of us. I think James knows that's the natural response. That's why he says this here. He's like, okay, when you're going through a trial, here's what we need to do. Be quick to listen. Now, I know that's really weird. We don't do that. But let me tell you, that's wise. That's wise. Be quick to listen to God. And slow to speak. And slow to get angry. So let me ask again. Does, does that describe you? Are you quick to listen? And it's so important. It's so important, James would say. This is the way we get wisdom. This is, this is what's going to help us persevere. This is how we learn how to apply our faith in our daily lives. Are you quick to listen? Do you open up your Bible? Is it a daily practice? Are you quick about that? James would say this is so important that he wants to spend some time actually diving into how do we listen to God well. And so that's where he goes next. He just starts giving us some instructions for how to listen to God. Um, and I'll tell you what he says here in the next few verses. It's so rich and it's so helpful that it pains me how cursory I'm going to have to be in, in touching these things. I would love to do a whole message on each one of them, but I'm going to try to refrain for uh, your good. And uh, I'm already rolling the dice being up here already, so can't, can't uh, make it longer. So let me just try to hit a couple of these things, right? So the first thing James says we must do in order to listen well or to listen to God well is found in verse 21. Let me read it again. He says, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word that's planted in you which can save you. Okay, now, I'm going to point out something. It's kind of gross, all right? It's kind of a theme already this morning. I'm going to get you thinking about gross things. But this is, this is kind of gross. Dr. David Anderson, in his commentary in the book of James, he, he makes the point that the word that James uses for filth here would have been the exact same word that they would have used to uh, describe earwax. Something like it just kind of clogs up your ears. Yeah, it's beautiful beautiful thought, isn't it? And, and James has got this wordplay going on. It's, it's interesting. He, he's saying, okay, look, you want to listen to God? You got to remove the gunk that's going to get in the way of you being able to hear him. And that's what he's talking about here. Get, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent. Like, okay, well, what's that mean? Well, like, you, you know what the moral filth is. The evil that's so prevalent, we know what that is in our lives. It's the sin, the selfishness, the greed, the immorality. I mean, on and on and on. This stuff, he says, get rid of it if you want to listen to God, if you want to hear from God. Now, you might ask, okay, well, how do you do that? Well, because <laughs> God is an awesome, forgiving God. The scripture tells us that the main way that we get rid of this gunk that stops up our ears is we uh, confess it. And think about 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. To get the cleansing picture here. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James, later on in the book, when chapter 5, he's going to talk about the, the, the power of confession. He's going to also say, like, there's power in confessing our sins to one another. 
to be healed. So this is the idea. Like when you want to get rid of or you realize, okay, I need to listen to God, but here's what's getting in my way. I got gunk in my ears. I got this moral filth and this evil that's so prevalent. What do I do? Tell it, tell it to God. Bring it to God. Confess it to God. Confess it to one another. This will help you be able to hear from God. He says when you do that, then you're going to be positioned. You're going to be in a place where you can humbly accept the word planted in you, the word that you have received from God, which, he says, can save you. And just real quick, when he says can save you, it's just helpful to, to note. You know, we've talked about this in the past, but whenever you see that word save, you always ask, Save from what, right? You remember that? I'm sure you did, and you just didn't want to say it, but hopefully you remember that. Save from what? And in this case, he's not talking about save from the penalty of your sins so that you will spend eternity with God one day. He's talking about to save you from being derailed by your trials and your temptations and failing to persevere in your faith and therefore missing out on the good that God can accomplish through your trials to, that will mature you and complete you to where you're not lacking anything. He's saying you, wanna, you, want, you need to be saved in the here and now that you would live, have a life that's, that God is using to accomplish great things in you and through you. You've got to humbly receive God's word. You've got to clean out the gunk in your ear. And friends, I don't know about you, but like I, sometimes I open up the Bible and I'm trying to hear from God and I don't feel like I'm getting anything. You, you've been there? Oh, just me? Okay. Um, and sometimes I'm quick to say, like, God, I guess you're, you're like, blame God. Like, God, you're not speaking to me. But friends, I would encourage us to apply this and just evaluate maybe one of the reasons I can't hear from God very well is because I got a bunch of stuff stopping up my ears. I got this filth. And that we would begin our time confessing our sins before God, trusting that he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and then to be able to tune our ears to what he says. Okay, that's the first bit of instruction that James gives us on how to hear from God. He, he doesn't stop there. He keeps going. So verse 22, um, here's what he says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. All right. Simply put, James wants us to understand that listening to God actually involves hearing and then acting on what you've heard. Now, uh, every parent understands this concept of listening, right? The parents are like, you talk to your kids, you say to your kids, hey, uh, I'll say, my kids, I'll say, hey, boys, you need to clean your room. And they just keep on playing. And so what do I say in response? Guys, did you hear me? Now, my question really isn't, did you hear me? It's, it's <laughs> I ask that because I know that the sign that they truly heard me is that they acted on what I say, right? That's true hearing. That's true listening. The same thing with God. God says, okay, what's, what's really listening? Really listening isn't just like you, you, you took words into your brain, the process. It's you actually do something with it. Then you have actually listened. And man, we need this, don't we? We need this corrective because gosh this just goes against the way uh, that we act in the modern church we are so we just we operate and we just do and I do it too I'm not trying to throw shade here we come on a Sunday morning we hear a message we feel like we've done something because we heard a message but we 
I mean, how, when was the last time you heard a message and then that week you were like, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Whenever that last time was, that's the last time you actually listened. That's the last time you actually listened to God. And James would say it this way, verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Meaning, if you don't act on what God says, you're like a guy who looks at his face in a mirror and then doesn't do anything with what he saw. Hair's out of place, gunk in his eyes, right? And he's like, oh, I'm good. He just kind of goes on. It's like for that guy, looking in the mirror was useless because he didn't, do with, he didn't do anything with what he saw. James is saying, hey, it's the same way. The same way for us. Listening to God is useless if you don't do anything with what you've heard. James knows that there's something in us that has a hard time believing that. That's why he says, hey, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. See, it's so easy to give in to our own self-deception. Hey, I heard it. I agreed with it. It was good. And think, you really heard. You didn't hear until you do something with it. Don't be deceived. See, to put it as cheesily and uh, hopefully as, as memorably and as Dr. Susie as I can come up with, this is what James is saying. He's saying, if you want God's wisdom for today, <laughs> be quick to listen and obey. If you want God's wisdom for today, then be quick to listen and and obey, okay? Um, I'm sick. If, you, if, that, if, that, if that is like, if, you know, if, that, if you think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to listen to Jake again. Um, just I'm blaming it on the sickness. But hopefully that will stick in your mind. Like if you want God's wisdom for today, you got to be quick to listen and obey. This is what James is saying. So just to recap, okay, up to this point, he's te- James is telling us, in order to persevere in our faith, in order to uh, you know, really know how to apply our faith in our daily lives and navigate life in light of following Christ. If you want God's wisdom, then here's what you need to do. You need to, you need to be quick to listen. Quick to listen to God's word. And because that's so important, he gives time to instruct us in regards to how to do that. But when, then when you come to verse 25, he's going to turn a corner and he's going to begin talking about What will result if we do that? What will happen in our lives if we do? What kind of impact will it have on us if we listen and obey God? Here's what he says, verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, which is another another way to refer to God's word, anyone who looks intently to the perfect law, God's word, that gives freedom... And continues in it. And that's a key, that's a key phrase. Like this is not a not a one-time thing, okay? This is not a hey, I did it once, so I was quick to listen. Not one time. No, this is continue in it. This is your daily practice. This is description of who you are. I am a person who's quick to listen. I continue in it, and then not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. There it is again, just in case James, like, just in case you missed what I just got done saying, you gotta do it. You'll be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. That's, that's their impact. 
You'll be blessed. And the word is uh, the same word, makaros, that, that is, um, speaks about being happy. Let me use the same thing. You'll be happy in life. You'll be blessed in what you do. And you think, okay, well, what does that mean? Because that's general, right? That's a general statement. Oh, you're going to be blessed. It's like, okay, good. Yeah, what, what, what do you mean? Let's, let's get specific. Well, thankfully, James does get specific in the like, couple, couple words right before that when he says, uh, you know, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. It gives freedom. So what's the blessing? So you're going to have freedom. Might not, I might not make the case that it's only limited to this blessing, but this is the blessing specifically that James is pointing us to uh, in the words right before he says we'll be blessed. He says you're going to have freedom. It's the perfect law that brings freedom. Of course, if you're looking intently at this, as it says to do, uh, you're going to probably wonder, how does that work? Because what James says here, it, it, kind of, it doesn't really compute with us, does it? I mean, if you're thinking about this, for he says the perfect law gives freedom. But isn't it true that in our day and age, we rarely connect law with freedom? I love what my um, favorite author and pastor, Tim Keller, says on this. I'm going to borrow from a message he did on this uh, because it was just so good and way more profound than I could ever hope to be. But uh, here's, what, here's what he points out. He says that we don't connect the law with freedom because normally we define freedom as the absence of restrictions. That freedom is the absence of restrictions. And therefore, the law, which you know, restricts us, can't bring freedom in our understanding of what freedom is. So like we go outside and we're on the street and one side of the street has no parking signs and the other side doesn't, we would say, okay, you're free to park on the side without the law, right, posted, without the, the signs. That's how we operate. That's how we think about freedom. Freedom is the absence of, absence of restrictions. And so you think, okay, well, James, what do you mean in the perfect law that brings freedom? The law doesn't bring freedom. The law brings restrictions. But again, to to go to, back to Tim Keller, he, he would say, it's because um, our, our misunderstanding here is, is really rooted into a, um, a wrong definition of freedom. For you see, the Bible defines freedom differently than we do. It's not the absence of restrictions. Instead, it defines it by using positive terms, saying that freedom is the ability to be who you were made to be. Put it another way, freedom is the ability to fulfill your true nature. That's when you're truly free. That's what freedom really is. It's the freedom to be who you were made to be. See, like the perfect example of this is the fish, right? So I got a picture of fish in case you don't know what they look like. When is a fish truly free? When's a fish truly free? Well, if you say, okay, freedom is the absence of restrictions, then the, then the fish really isn't free if it's stuck in this, you know, fishbowl, I'm going to take it out of the fishbowl so that it can be free, not have any restrictions. And that fish can flop around on the desk for a little while, filling all of its freedom, and then it's going to die. Because fish don't thrive out of the water. They don't survive out of the water. See, when you think about a fish, what the fish tells us or <laughs> helps us capture is that uh, freedom is not the absence of restrictions. The freedom is actually the result of the right restrictions that enable you to be all that you were made to be. 
the freedom comes with, under the right restrictions that help you, that enable you to fulfill your true nature. Follow me on that? I know it's ACL weekend. You might have been gone. You're like, are you making me really think? But this is important. This is important. So um, this is, let me see where I am. Um, here we go. In real life, in our life, like here's how this applies, right? That um, when you are to listening and applying God's word, that's going to actually bring freedom because it contains the right restrictions that align with who we are meant to be. Like in this way, you could say that the Bible is like, our, it's like the owner's manual, our owner's manual. Like if you think about car's owner's manual, you're like, I got an owner's manual on my truck. I read that thing. Actually, I haven't, but I probably should. But if I did, I know one of the things that it's going to say in there is that it's going to tell me that it's important for me to change my oil every basically 3,000 miles. And I can read that, and I can say, I don't want to do that. What a pain. I, got, I don't want to pay for that. I don't want to go on my way to do that. I resent that. I'm not going to do that. And the owner will say, okay, well, you know, you're not going to get a ticket. You're not going to get a fine if you don't do that. You're really just, you're really just screwing yourself. Because, like, I'm telling you, this is, how, this is how it was made. This is how I made this vehicle. And if you want the freedom of being able to actually continue to drive, you've got to put oil in your car every about 3,000 miles. Well, as the Bible in this sense, and I wouldn't say this is the perfect way to capture everything that the Bible is, but in this sense, the Bible is our owner's manual. God, who designed us, who made us, tells us, this is how you were made to live. This is how you can be all that I made you to be. This is how to fulfill your true nature. What's in here isn't just restrictions to keep you from freedom. It's actually the right restrictions that enable you to have freedom. It's the perfect law. It's the perfect restrictions that brings about true freedom. For example, you say, okay, well, God says we got to forgive. You think, man, I like that idea until someone really does me wrong, and then I think, man, I don't want to forgive. It doesn't feel good to forgive. It feels, it feels good to harbor bitterness. It feels good to want to return evil for evil. That's really what I want to do, but God says, no, no, you got to forgive. Why? Because I'm a forgiving God, and I made you in my image, and so you too need to forgive. It's how you are made. If you don't do it, it's like you're a fish out of the water, flopping around. It's going to hurt you. It's going to harm you. You have to forgive. You think, okay, I guess I'll forgive. It's a perfect law that brings freedom. How, how does listening to God and obeying what he says impact us? It brings us, friends, it brings you freedom. It brings me freedom. Because they're the right restrictions to enable us to be who we're meant to be. That's the, that's the first thing. You might say, okay, well, what's a picture of that? What's that look like? What kind of person am I meant to be? That's where James goes next. He says in verse 26, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, 
to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, to put it simply, and again, for the sake of time, I would love to just uh, spend a long time here. But um, what he's saying here is, if you just sum it up, he's saying if you truly listen and obey God, to God you really are listening and obeying God, then here are two ways it's going to impact your life. First, you're going to be growing in personal holiness. That your character is going to begin to reflect God's character. And so you're going to have a tight rein on your tongue. And you're going to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Meaning you're going to avoid immorality of all kinds. Greed, sexual immorality. Um, I mean, just you, can, you name it. Any kind of immorality. So you're, going to, you're going to avoid that. But if you, you are listening to God and you're doing what he says... This is a part of the impact it's going to have on you. You're going to, character is going to be more like God's. You're going to be careful with what you say. You're going to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. And then the second thing he says is you're going to care for the poor and the oppressed. You're going to care for the poor and the oppressed. You're going to reflect God's love for those who can't pay you back. Those, that group of people captured best throughout Scripture and here in James the, the widows and the orphans. That you're going to look after orphans and you're going to look after widows in their distress. The phrase James uses here that's translated look after can also mean advocate. So that he's not talking about a handout. He's talking about doing justice. This is, you're going to listen and you obey God. What kind of person are you going to become? You're going to become someone who reflects God's character and your own personal holiness. And you're going to be someone who reflects God's love for those who can't pay him back for the widows and for the orphans, for those who are starving, for those who are being sexually trafficked. You're going to care for the refugee. You're going to care, I mean, just on and on and on. This is, this is what kind of person you'll become. This is the wisdom God's going to give you. This is what he, how what he says is going to shape you. This is who you were meant to be. This is the freedom you're going to find. You're going to be like living personal holiness and loving people unconditionally. Loving the poor and the oppressed. Loving and caring for widows and orphans. It says if you do this, if you listen and obey God's word, the impact it's going to have on your life is going to change how you live. It's going to change who you love. You're going to begin to be more holy, and you're going to care for those who can't pay you back. Again, I, I would love to spend a lot more time on this. The, the, the thing is that James is going to come back to these two things over and over again in this book. He's going to talk about specifically the tongue, and he's going to talk about keeping yourself from being polluted by the world, and he's going to talk about loving the least. He's going to talk a lot. So we're going to get to come back and get to talk about that a lot as well, but if you want an indication on whether you have been listening and obeying God, one of the great indicators would be for you to say, does, verse, does James 1, 26 and 27 describe you? Because if you've been listening and obeying, then this is how you're going to be living and loving. Now I just want to point out the main thing that I want to make sure none of us miss this morning is this. If you want God's wisdom for life, 
If you want to persevere in your faith, if you want to experience the freedom uh, to be who God created you to be, if you want to become someone who's growing in personal holiness and in your commitment to do justice for those who can't pay you back, then the most important thing you can do is be quick to listen and obey what God says. Be quick to listen and obey what God says. If you want God's wisdom for today, be quick to listen and obey. Friends, are you quick to listen? This week, have you, my, here's my challenge to us, kind of way of application as I begin to wrap up. My challenge to you is this. Will you take this passage, James 1, 19 through 27, and will you read it every day? Just take this passage. Just read it every day until you actually have heard what it says. And the way that you're going to know if you've heard what God is saying through it is you're going to have applied it. You're going to do what it says. So read this until you've heard it. Read it until you're doing it. Do that. Because, guys, the best thing you can do, the most important thing you do to know how to navigate this life in light of our faith is we got to be quick to listen. we got to go to the source of all wisdom. We've got to listen to him. We've got to listen to what he says in his word. The other thing I would want to encourage you to do, and uh, if you've joined, if you're you know, one of the first Sundays here with us, you might not be aware of this, but our church this year, we really decided to focus in on trying to help us each, each other develop what we're calling spiritually healthy habits or healthy spiritual habits. Basically, things that practices that will help us connect with God, to spend time with him, to hear from him. And I want to just reiterate to y'all who've made a commitment to do that, I know forming a habit is hard. Like right now, my habits that I've chosen are habits of thanksgiving and, and, and habits of scripture memory. And I'm doing okay with the scripture memory, and I'm hit and miss on the thanksgiving. Habits take time to form. They take perseverance to form. And if you're where I am, I want to say, hey, keep going. That's the wisest thing you do is to, to, to build in your life a habit of listening to and obeying God. And if you've yet to get going, I would really want to invite you to jump in with us. This is this year we're hoping to develop two habits that help us connect with God. You've still got a lot of time this year because our year runs September through August. And so we're at the beginning of this thing. So jump in with us and you'll see there's guides on the back tables that we lay out 12 options, 12 possibilities of ways you can connect with God, 12 habits that you might want to or practices you might want to form into habits. We'd really encourage you to pick one of those up and jump in with us. It will help you do this. It's incredibly important, friends, that we would listen and obey. Be quick to listen and obey. Of course, um, as you aim to do that, as you aim to listen to God and obey what he says, you're going to fail. At times, you're going to fail. At times, I fail. See, because none of us listen to and obey God perfectly. However, there was a person who did that perfectly. You see, Jesus was the only person who always listened and obeyed what the Father said. And do you know, this is fascinating to me, did you know that uh, we have about 1,800 verses in the Bible that contain what Jesus said? 1,800 verses where Jesus is speaking. Did you know that 10% 
of, of what he said were all quotations of the Old Testament. That he could hardly say anything without quoting the Bible. That he was saturated in the Bible. That he looked intently into the Bible. When the devil tempted him, he quoted the Bible. When, he was, when the religious leaders questioned him, he quoted the Bible. When he faced the cross, he quoted the Bible. When he was dying on the cross, the last two things that he said were, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? And into thy hands I commit my spirit. And both of those are quotes from the Bible, specifically quotes from the Psalms. See, friends, Jesus is the only one who perfectly listened and obeyed the entire word of God. And yet, instead of experiencing freedom, he suffered a death on the cross. Why? It was so you and I can have freedom. You know that? That's why. So that... You and I, though we fail too often to listen and obey, can be promised that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. That Jesus perfectly listened and obeyed and then died in our place so that we can be set free. This morning we're going to take communion in the message as we do each Sunday. We've got tables in the front, we've got tables in the back, and anyone is... Uh, um, invited to take communion. We just ask that you believe what you are remembering here, that you believe that Jesus truly died in your place on the cross, having his body broken. So what we remember with the bread, having his blood spilled. So what we remember with the cup, so that you can be reconciled to God and be made truly free. If you don't believe that, you have questions about that, and we would encourage you to use this time to talk to God about that, we also have people in the back, uh, Kiko and Jess are back there. They would love to pray with you or interact with you about that uh, during this time. But for those of you who do believe this, as we take communion, what I want to encourage us to do is to reflect on, the tr- on this truth, right? That Jesus, though he perfectly listened and obeyed, instead of experiencing the freedom that he was due, he suffered and died so that we could have his freedom. So he could purchase freedom for us. And I want us to reflect on that truth until our hearts are once again reminded how loving and how good and how trustworthy our Savior and God is. For that's, friends, that's the thing. That's the main thing that will cause us to say, along with King David in Psalm 119.68, God, I know you are good and what you say is good. So tell me what to do. God, you're good. I know you're good at what you say is good. So tell me what to do. Jesus is a proof that God is good. And so we can trust that what God says is good. And so we would be quick to listen. God, tell me what to do. Because your perfect law brings freedom. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for thank you for this uh, passage and the reminder and the encouragement and the challenge that it is. And God, we, I, just, I just confess our, all of our behalf, mine personally, that I'm not often quick to listen. And God, I, uh, I turn to my own wisdom and I try to figure out life on my own so often and 
quick to speak and I'm quick to get angry, but I'm not quick to listen. And God, I pray that you would change that in my life. I pray that you'd change that in all of our lives. And God, as we take communion right now, I pray that you would use this, uh, <laughs> use this time to remind us of the truth, that you are good, that Jesus, that you would die for us in our place. And what other proof do we need that you are good and so what you say is good? And God, would you make us quick to listen as a result? as we listen, would we apply? And as we apply, God, would we be set free? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.